Praise God. We'd like to welcome everyone today. If you're a guest with us, we welcome you. We, we're so glad you're spending your morning worshiping with us here today. Amen. We'd like to welcome everyone. It's great to see everyone this morning. Praise God. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated this morning. I mentioned it. Let me mention it one more time because it's worth repeating. Uh, this is a very exciting stretch going forward here the next couple of weeks. Next week we have the holiday weekend. Um, and the following week we've got our anniversary. That is on the 4th. So Sunday morning will be normal. Sunday evening we'll be celebrating our anniversary as Severin joins us. Then the following Sunday, June the 11th, June the 11th, our following Sunday, we'll be having a one-service Sunday at 11 a.m. And uh, we'll be giving some flyers, getting some flyers in your hand for that, uh, in addition to the seed cards, um, to get you to reach out, find somebody, bring them with you. Uh, we're bring, believing for a great outpouring of the Holy Ghost that day, and Severn will be joining us that day. We're going to have a big, awesome time with Jesus, but it's only going to be one service, so you can... Come at 11 and be a part of that, and um, we can see God do awesome things. Amen. Praise God. I want to uh, talk to you today as I feel the Lord has put it on my heart, which is, it, it, it is a sobering subject in some ways and something that we don't often like to talk about because of the soberness of it. And also, I believe in some ways that the... Um, Pulpits of today have shied away from this subject because it, we don't, you don't like to talk about it because it can feel sort of uh, condemning. It can feel sort of uh, 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 negative, but it's not a negative thing if you understand the concept of it. But let me just tell you a little bit of the context before we go to where I believe the Lord wants to talk to us for a few minutes today uh, about... Uh, the writings of Paul in the New Testament, uh, Paul wrote at least 13 New Testament books. Uh, scholars debate, it's a pretty hot topic, between the fact if Paul really wrote Hebrews. There's a group that believe he did, there's a group believe he did not. So we know at least 13 books that Paul wrote. If you count Hebrews, that means he, count, he, uh, he wrote 14 New Testament books. Paul is, in my opinion, and again, it's my opinion, and, 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 and I say that because you might have a different opinion, and that's okay. I believe Paul is the greatest Christian example in all the New Testament. And Paul is also the most uh, important example to us in a modern sense than any person in the New Testament because Paul did not know the physical man Christ Jesus. The other writers, John and Peter and James, all knew Jesus in a physical form, but Paul arrived on the scene afterwards. We don't know if Paul, if he actually got to see Jesus, if he actually shook his hand. We don't know that, but there's no indication in any of Paul's writing that that took place. So Paul in a lot of ways, is like us because everything Paul 
knows about Jesus Christ and finds about Jesus Christ, he learns through his relationship with him, but not his physical relationship with him, but a relationship that took place once Jesus ascended into heaven. And so we can see in a lot of Paul's writings things that he talks about in phrases that are different than others. And, and if you start to read Paul as a, as a, as a, as a, in his totality, not in individual letters, but in all, all 13 slash 14 of the books that Paul wrote, you will notice that Paul had certain themes that sort of jumped out in his writings and were repeated over and over again, but packaged a little differently. We see that Paul talks about grace. We see Paul talks about peace. In fact, there's one theme that Paul talks about many, many times, and that's the hope of what is to come. In fact, Paul put it this way, but I would not have you be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you saw or not, even as others would have no hope, because later in Romans he says, for we are saved by hope. But hope that is not seen, for what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for? But if we hope for what we see not, then we with patience wait for it. Another theme that we see throughout Paul's writings is the theme of love. We've got the famous chapter on, on, in Paul's writings about charity, and, and the greatest of these is charity. We talked about Paul says in, 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 in what shall separate us from the love of God? In Romans, I believe, Romans 8, he goes through a whole list of things that can separate us from the love of God. He talks about how the love of God constraineth us. He says that we are rooted and grounded in love. And so we see this theme throughout Paul in his writings, in his love. But there's one thing that Paul mentions several places. In fact, in, in numerous letters, he writes this thing. So we can kind of see that these were sort of the fabrics of which Paul lived by. Grace, peace, hope, love. But there's another thing that kind of kept Paul grounded. And you probably wouldn't guess it right off the bat, but I want to give you a glimpse of what that is today. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse number 6. If you don't have it, uh, a Bible or a phone, maybe we'll show it to you on the screen. You can follow along. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 6. Therefore, we are always confident, knowing while, whilst we were at home in the body, we are absent with the Lord. For we walk by faith and not by sight. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body, to be present with the Lord. Wherefore, we labor that we were present or absent, we may be accepted of Him. Now, here's the key. Verse 10. For we all, everybody say all. all. For we all, not some, not a few. For we all, all, all. That means you. That means me. That means the person to the right of you, to the left of you, in front of you, behind you. That means your neighbor. That means your friend. That means your coworker. That means your mother, your father, your sister, your brother, your son, your daughter, your aunt, your uncle. All. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to he hath done, whether it be good or bad, knowing therefore, knowing therefore that terror, that doesn't mean terror as in, ah, terror, but that means in fear and reverence. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are made manifest unto God and I trust also are made manifest in your conscience. For just a few moments today, I want to talk to you with this subject as Paul gave us today. And here's what I want to talk to you about. Bow down while your knees still bend. 
bow down while your knees still bend. Several places today, but I picked out the best description. Several places in Paul's writing, he talks about the fact that all men, not some, not a few, not the religious, not the non-religious, not the saved, not the unsaved, literally all men, that one from the beginning of time to the end of time, that all men, all men, I want you to get that in your mind today. It's not talking about a select group. All men, all men have an appointment to stand before the judgment seat of Christ and have your life examined before Christ and with no ability to reason, no ability to give excuses, just simply the facts laid out before you. doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter your education. It doesn't matter the color of your skin. It doesn't matter how much money you have or do not have. All of us will stand before God in judgment. All of us. Paul understood this. Did Paul believe in the grace of God? Yes. Did Paul believe in the mercy of God? Yes. Did Paul believe in the peace of God? Yes. Did he believe in the hope of what is to come? Yes. Did he believe in the love of Christ? Yes. However, he understood that the bottom line to all of this is that you and I, you and I, all of us will stand before God. We will stand before the judgment seat of Christ and we will have to give an account of our life to God. Bow down while your knees still bend. What is this judgment that is to come I'm going to read to you, Paul, that the, the, the John in Revelation gives an account of part of this. Revelation chapter 20, verse number 11, And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on the throne, whose face of the earth and heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were open, and another book was open, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which was in it in death, and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged every man according to their works. Notice that. It was not just those that were there, but the sea. Everybody that had lived, everybody that has lived, even the ones that are in heaven and hell are going to stand before this judgment. And death and hell were cast in a lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life, Whoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Let's go back if we could. Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. And I I didn't put it down in my notes, but Luke 10. Let's go to verse uh, 17. Try 17. Luke 10, 17. Let's see if that's a good jumping part. Okay, here's a good one. Jesus sent 70 people out. He sent 70 out to go out and do things and pray and, 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 and minister, and they come back. And here's what happens. And the 70 returned with great joy again, saying, Lord, even the devils, woo! Even the devils again are subject unto us through thy name. This stuff is awesome. I mean, whoo, whoo, back down into it again. This is awesome stuff. Next verse. And he said to them, I beheld... Whoa, whoa, whoa. Where are we going, Jesus? Oh, back up. We're just saying how great this is, how awesome this is. This stuff works. Where are you at, Jesus? Why are we over here? I beheld Satan falling like fast lightning falling from heaven. Next verse. 
Behold, I give unto you power to tread upon serpents and scorpions all over the power of the enemy. And nothing, woo, nothing, nothing, nothing shall by any means hurt you, man. They're about to shout right there. He's, he's just laying it out there for them. They got the power. The, I mean, they got bullets in their gun. He just gave more ammunition. But, ooh, time out. What did he say next? Notwithstanding in this rejoice not. Whoa. We don't, they, I've been speaking your name. Devils are flying out. Now you just gave me more power. He said, don't rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather right. rejoice. But rather rejoice. But rather rejoice because your names, your names are written in heaven. Don't get caught up. You know what he's basically saying? Is don't get caught up so much about what's happening down here. But really rejoice because the fact that there's a home that's waiting for you. That's crazy to think that. It's crazy for me to think that. Here they are telling him, got, you know, we're saying in Jesus' name, Jesus' name. Woo, boo, boom, bam. Devils are running away from us. And then he comes, he says, boy, lightning, Satan fell down from lightning from heaven. And then, boom, I'm going to give you more power, more authority. I mean, woo, but don't get so excited about that. Don't miss the big picture. Don't get so caught up in where you are right now that you forget what this is all about and really where I've called you to. Yes, does today matter? It does matter. But whether I'm standing or laying or crying or smiling, today really doesn't matter because what really matters is I've got my name. I've got my name written, 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 written. Written, written in the book of life. You know why that's the case? Because when you stand before that judgment seat, and he's not going to say how many devils did you cast out. He's not going to say how many people were healed by the touching of your ministry. He's not going to say how many seed cards did you lay out. The first thing that's going to say is, is your name in that book? He's not going to ask, did you go to church or not? He's not going to ask, did you like the preacher or not? He's not going to ask, how many songs can you sing by heart? Was your name written in the book of life? Was your name written in the book of life? Why is that important? What's the big deal here? Well, it tells us, we just read it, Revelation 20. Whoever books, whoever's not in that book, it doesn't matter how good they are. Here's the point, there's the deal. It didn't say all the good people are going to be in the book. This is the problem we have as a society nowadays. Can you just stop and preach for a second? We're going to get back to the book, but can we just stop and preach for a second? Here's the problem with society nowadays. Society judges people on their actions and judges people. And, and so we can determine good or bad based by what we see with our eyes. So if a person does a good deed, they're a good person. We don't know what they do behind closed doors. We don't know the junk in their heart. But because we saw them do a good deed, they're a good person. And because somebody makes a mistake, 
We cast them away and say they're bad, they're no good, let's get rid of them because they've done a bad deed. But we don't know the problem and things going in their heart that drove them to that bad deed. They may have had problems and situations that you're not handling. That's the manifestation of it. But just because they have a bad deed doesn't mean they can be thrown out. And here's the problem we have. He said, we're going to stand before that judgment seat. And it's not going to be based off the good and the bad of what we think is good and the bad. Because let's be honest today, that's the big problem a lot of us have in our life. Is that we can, can't hardly believe and hardly think it. it struggles for us that how can God, a loving God, send, and here we go, I'll put it in quotation, good people, good people to hell. Now, in case you're wondering, I will break it down to you. I don't care what society says, there still is a heaven, there still is a hell. I don't care what Facebook says. I don't care what your Twitter account says. I don't care what Instagram says. I don't care what CNN or everybody else says. There's still a heaven, there's still a hell. It still matters. And it's not about the goodness of what we determine to be good. Because what's sad is it's true that heaven's going to be filled with a lot more bad people and hell's going to be filled with a lot more good people than we think. Because the bottom line is he didn't say all the good are in the book. He just said, is your name written in the book? Is your name written in the book? I read this the other day and, and, and my wife alluded to it. Most of us that live in this area, we were exposed to it in case you didn't. Maybe you live over here and you, weren't, you didn't realize it had taken place. Wednesday evening, uh, well, actually Wednesday afternoon, 1.30, there was a, a lady somehow, they don't know yet, got turned around on 50 if you're going towards the Bay Bridge, there's that uh, uh, service road that, that, that has the Wawa and the Exxon on it. Somehow she got turned around. They don't know if it was accident on purpose, if she was distracted, what it was. 22-year-old girl with a 14-month-old in the back seat got turned around and went the wrong way on 50. Now, if you don't know what Route 50 is, Route 50 is the major highway thoroughfare. I mean, if you're doing 50 miles an hour on Route 50, you're going to get crushed so this is a road where people are driving fast somehow she got on that going the wrong direction and made it almost two miles weaving and dodging traffic until finally uh at a blind spot there was a man driving a a mercedes-benz suv that could not avoid and they both hit head-on collision she died instantly Thankfully, it looks like the baby's going to survive. She died instantly. The man was trapped in his car for two and a half hours before finally being extracted and eventually passed away in the hospital. And I was reading some of the articles, and one person made the statement. One of the articles was written by a, a first responder that had written the article, and they made the statement. He said, I, I remember the in one of my critical, critical response unit training, they made this statement. Good things, uh, bad things happen to good people, and you can't change it. He said, I remember my training, it said that bad things happen to good people and you can't change it. But let's be honest. What is the definition of good? Because let's put your definition of good, my definition of good, not same definition. Your definition of good, mine, are, and your definition of bad, mine are bad. So if we're all going to go off the definition of good and bad, the, the, the varying degree, depending on who's in charge, that's the definition we live by. 
God does not judge on the good and the bad. And he said, rejoice the fact that your name is written in that book. Because it says this, if any man, Revelation twenty two nineteen, if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life, out of the holy city, from the things which are written in this book. Now watch this. Revelation 17. Now this is interesting. I went through this a couple months ago. I went through this when we did our series, but I want to go back through it again because it's too awesome to pass up. Revelation 17, verse 8. The beast that thou sawest and is not shall ascend out of the bottomless pit and go into perdition. And, that the, and they that dwell on earth shall wonder whose names were not written in the book of life from, notice that phrase, from the foundation of the world. From the foundation of the world. When they behold the beast that was, and it's not, and yet is. Notice that phrase right there, whose names were not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world. So let's take that negative statement and flip it around and make it a positive statement. Whose names were, not were not, but were written in the book from the foundation of the world. Now, give me a moment just if we could, because this is too fun. Some of you probably don't, you, 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 this, is, this is not your cup of tea, but I like doing it. It's too much fun. So give me just two minutes to have some fun. There are two different timelines that take place. There is a temporal timeline and an eternal timeline. We are temporal beings. We are bound by the temporal. We are bound by our temporal time. In fact, right now is the only real time I have. Now. It's now. The problem is is that only true time is now. Because any time before is past, any time that's ahead is future. So the only thing I can deal is, that's why the Bible says now faith. Not tomorrow faith, not yesterday faith, now faith. But the problem with now, it goes by so fast, if you took a picture of it, it'd be then. But here's the point that's awesome. Is that because I am bound by my now, I am, I am, I am encased by my now, And I am bound by the temporal definition of my ability. So my past, I cannot go back and change. And my future, I have to wait to see how it unfolds. The only thing I can handle is now. But there's a whole other timeline, and God does not live in the now. God lives in a whole different timeline, because God lives in the realm of the internal. So the now... I make a mistake, I can't go back and change it. I make promises for tomorrow, I may or may not live up to them. How many times have you said, started tomorrow, that's it. My life's changing. Because you can only change on Mondays, realize that. In case you ever figure it out, you can only start a change of life on Monday. Seriously, notice that. Next time you try to change life, if a Tuesday, you're like, oh, Tuesday, it doesn't feel good. Next Monday, I'm starting. You can't start a diet on Thursday. It doesn't work. You can only start diets on Monday. It's somewhere in the book. It's written there. Because notice, you can't start in the middle of the week. It feels weird. So it's always like, I mean, like Tuesday, you're like, man, I need to make some changes. Next Monday, I'm making that change. 
I'm going to start next Monday. Guess what happens? Next Monday comes, well, you know, one more week. I'm starting because I can't control tomorrow. I don't know what I'm going to feel like when I get there. And I can't go back and change the yesterday. But here's the thing. God lives in all space and all time. Why is that important? Well, there's several ways that's important. Because there's one scholar that says this, that God abides, there was a Hebrew scholar years ago that wrote this, God abides in all space at all time. Because if he ceased to be in that time, then that time would cease to be also. Because he's the definition of all of this. So here's the point. I'm here. Some of you have heard me do this before. i got to do it again. I like it. I'm here. I move here. I'm now here. I'm no longer there. I'm here. For me to go from here back to there, I'm no longer there and I'm here. But you see, God doesn't work that way. God's here. And if I move over here, guess what? God's here. But God's still there. And if I move back, guess what? God's now here, but God's still there also. Why is that important? Okay, I'm going to tell you why important. God says, first day, let there be light. Uh Light appears. Guess what happens? He didn't stay in day one. We moved to day two. But the problem is, God didn't jump from day one to day two. Because if he jumped from day one to day two, then day one would no longer cease to be. And the light that was created in day one would no longer be. Oh, this is deep, but it's fun. (laughs) So we go from day two to day three, jumps to day three. Guess what? Now God's in day three creating day three, but day two and day one still are existing because what he created in day one and day two are still there. So God is still there. How can that be? I don't understand, brother, right? Because you're temporal. Tomorrow you're going to be there tomorrow. And when you wake up tomorrow, you'll no longer be in today. But you're not God. And God doesn't live in the temporal. God lives in the eternal. So even though God has shifted to the next day, He was already in that day, and He's still in the last day. So by the time we got to day seven, and the Bible says God kicked back and said, I'm a bad man, i got to take a rest now. And day seven... He's still in day six, five, four, three, two, one, and he's still over here. When he gets to day seven, he's saying it's time to rest, but he's still back in day one claiming, let there be light, let there be light, let there be light, let there be light. Why is that important? Because there's some of you in this place today that carry things that took place years ago. There are some of you that have things and bondage and things that were passed down from generation to generation. There are things that you've taken on from a mother or from a father. There's things that have been inherited in your DNA. And so when you come to God and God deals with that, notice this, God does not just take care of that thing in the moment. But because God is already back when it began, God goes all the way back to the moment it started and takes care of all of it. But here's the awesome part. And I'm running out of time, but this is the awesome part. There's two different terms for free in the New Testament. There was two types of free, and I've gone on this before, but it's, it's too good. I'm just putting it all together. It's having fun. There's two types. If you were a slave in the New Testament, Time, Roman time and New Testament. You could actually buy your freedom or be given your freedom. It was very common, actually. 
more common than you think. It wasn't just because you're a gladiator and you never died. No, it was common. In fact, it was common that that a, that a, that a owner would set a slave free, and let's say let's say John was living in Frederick, and I lived in Annapolis, and John was my slave. I would set John free so that John could do business for me in Frederick, because I lived in Annapolis. But even though John was set free, he still abided under the authority of my house because he was once my slave. And he could not do business as a slave, so I would set him free to do business. However, the term that was used in, the, in, 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 the, in biblical time was John became a freed, F-R-E-E-D, a freed man. But me, who was never a slave, who was born into freedom, I was not a freed man. I was a free man. Notice the difference. A freed man and a free man. Here's the problem. If you were a slave, you can only become a freed man. And a freed man could never become a free man. Because once you were a slave, the highest you could ascend to would be a freed man. But here's the problem with being a freed man. Even though you were freed, you still had and lived under the authority of the old master. And you still carried the authority and the umbrella of whom which you were enslaved to and you were freed from. And if you had been set free from that master, you still abided under the authority of that master even though you were a freed man. But you could not become a free man. Because here's the problem. The only way to be a free man was to never be a slave at all. Slight problem. Once you're a slave, that's it. So Jesus pops up on the scene. He gets a little crowd gathered together. He goes to talking. And it's just flowing out of him. He got the preaching. Woo! And then Jesus breaks it down and says this. He who the Son has set free is free indeed. Now we hear that and we go, that's cool, that's neat. Free, I'm free and free indeed, but I don't really want what, what, what was an indeed free. I want to be free, I'm free indeed. What does that mean? Two different freedoms. This is what Jesus broke it down and told him. He who the Son has set freed, first freed, they understood what he was saying. He was saying, the Son of God is not here to make you a freed man. <laughs> but the Son of God is here to make you a free man. Whoa, 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 whoa. Slight problem, Jesus. I don't know how that's possible. Because if I was a slave, I can't go back and change who I used to be. Because once a slave, always a slave. So even though you've set me free and I'm a free man, I still got to carry the umbrella and the authority and the weight of my slavery and what I was enchained to. Jesus said, I'm not interested in doing that. I didn't come just to get you out of where you are, but let you live with the remnants of who you used to be. He said, when I set you free, I will make you free 
indeed. So that means temporal, eternal, temporal, eternal. I understand the Bible says the things, we don't comprehend the things of eternal because we're temporal. I know it doesn't make sense from the temporal. But when you come to him, he literally, because he lives in all space and all time, he literally in the eternal timeline goes back and rewrites your story. Your story gets rewritten because there's no way you can become, you'll be a slave to sin and become a free man. It can't happen because in order for that to happen, you have to be born free. But yet we were born in sin. But when I find him, and I stand in that water and some man or woman says in the name of Jesus I baptize you for the forgiveness of your sins I go down a slave but I come up a free man all things passed away all things made new that's not just rhetorical but that means everything that I was I'm no longer So I don't have to live with the shame of who I used to be. I don't have to live with the regret of what I used to be under. Because according to the word of God, I'm no longer under that authority. I'm no longer under that authority. If I was enchained to alcohol and I was a slave to alcohol when he sets me free, no longer. If I was enchained to drugs when he sets me free, I don't have to be a former drug addict. You say that's just, you're just being positive Peter, preacher. You're just trying to make it sound good. You say what you want to say, but according to your faith, so be it unto you. I didn't used to be anything because he set me free. I have to walk around, my goodness. Walk around with the stuff I've done or did. You can live that way another, and you can let the shame. I feel the Holy Ghost right now. You can let the shame and the remnants of what you consider to be your former life begin to reach back in you and with the tentacles begin to pull at you. Or you can make the choice. I will fuse to let anything define me anymore because I've been bought by the blood of the Lamb. I've been sanctified by the Spirit. I've been made whole and made new by the blood of Jesus Christ. Rejoice that the devil knows your name, but rejoice because your name is written in the book of life. I've got my name in the book. I've got my name in the book. I'm not anybody I used to be. I'm who he's made me to be. No past, no problem, no sin, because the book has set me free. 
Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. Here's the problem, though. That's awesome. That's great. Tremendous. But the problem is we are still human. That's the problem. As Paul said this, the things I want to do, I don't do. The things I don't want to do, I do. Kim, how many times I've told myself I'll never do that again, only to find myself doing it again. So the problem today is, yes, that's awesome. But we don't ever get a chance to enjoy that because most of us live with so much condemnation because of what mistakes we're making. We can never truly enjoy the freedom of what God has given us. Because even though He has given, He has made us free, we still live constantly battling with our own flesh and our own things. And here's the point. Your name's in that book, but you're going to stand before God in judgment. You're going to stand before him in judgment. And here's the deal. i got to be honest. Thank God you don't know all the stuff I've done. I'm not saying that rhetorically either. I mean that legit. That's not just the thing you say, thank God you don't know it. I'm being serious. I'm glad you don't know the thoughts and the junk that hits my mind. I'm glad you don't know the stuff that I've done and my weaknesses. <gasps> you can't say that. He's the preacher. It's the facts, baby. I'm thankful you don't know those things. And guess what? I'm thankful I don't know your stuff either. Because I want to love you. You want to love me. We don't need to know all that. Goodness gracious, keep it to yourself. That's one thing. Can I just stop for a minute? That's one thing I cannot stand about Facebook and all that junk is why are you going to post to the world all your stuff? If you're going to do it, do it. But don't tell the world. Everybody has a, has a right to sin and get repented in private. But the moment you post that, you've lost that right. I don't understand that. People want to share everything now. I'm like, goodness, keep it to yourself. But here's the problem. That's the issue. Is, is I got to stand before him in judgment. And I got to be honest with you. I really don't want to have to reveal everything that's been gone through my mind, the things I've done. Now, I know some of you are, you're, you got a G-rated mind. All audiences permitted. For some of us, the rating is a little higher. You might need adult supervision to enter into this picture. I'll just leave it there. And so for, the, for some of us, only a few, the rest of you, you, you got G, your Disney movie. For some of us, I don't really want all that I've all, all to be revealed. I don't want all that stuff revealed because I got some stuff. 
And I don't really want all that revealed. But I'm going to have to stand before him in judgment. And here's what the Bible says. Here's the issue. You're in the book. But if you're in the book, can you stay in the book? Well, here's the point. It's a little sobering fact. I'm almost done. Revelation 2, verse 20. Now is standing a few things against thee, because thou sufficest that woman Jezebel, which called herself a prophetess, to teach and seduce my servants, to commit fornication, to eat things sacred unto idols. And here's verse 21. And I gave her, I gave her, I gave her space. That word space in the Greek means a period of time or literally my mortgage. My wife will know this because she pays the bills. I think our mortgage is due uh, like on the 8th or something, but we have a grace period to the 16th. We've used the grace period a few times. (laughs) Not because we did, we just forgot. That word, a period of a period of space literally means the grace period. It's a grace period. That's exactly what it means. It's the period of time that the bill is due, but you don't have the money to pay the bill. So I'm going to give you a few more times before I bring the consequences of not paying your bill to pass. And I gave her a space to repent, and she repented not. I gave her space to repent and she repented not. So here's the point. God knows we make mistakes. I make mistakes. We all make mistakes. And thank God he's not standing there with a club ready to take me out. I would live with a migraine, I guarantee you. Because I make mistakes every day. But within that mistake, he gives me a period of time from which I can recover, repent of those mistakes before I face the consequences of that mistake. Here's the problem, and I'm almost done. i got to throw this in here. The problem is when you take God's grace and use that as acceptance. Because you do, we all make mistakes, and we make big ones, right? But we make big ones, and you figure, you know what? If I steal a pack of gum, I can get away with that. God's going to love me anyway. If I shoot somebody, where's the lightning bolt? It's coming. We expect some things we do to, to, to initiate an immediate response of absolute crushing us to powder. The problem with it, and when it doesn't come, then all of a sudden, maybe it wasn't bad. And God forbid who people who judge good or bad based off of God's response. Or lack thereof. And I can't tell you how many times I've heard someone sit before me and I've talked to them and they've said, well, brother, right, it can't be bad because I did it and God didn't punish me. So if you... Go out and you do 90 miles an hour, but you don't get pulled over. Does that mean you didn't break the law? You just didn't get caught. Doesn't make the law less breakable. You just didn't get caught. And I've always said before, are you sad because you did it, or are you sad because you got caught? And so we do something, and God, in his love and mercy, gives us a grace to repent. Because we're going to stand before God. Everything that we've done are going to be judged. But here's what Paul said, and this is the whole thing they got to. to bow down while your knees still bend. You ready? Bow down while your knees still bend. This is where we get it from. 1 Timothy 5, 
Verse 24, some men's sins are open beforehand, going before to judgment, and some men they follow after. What does that mean today, preacher? That means you and I have a choice. We can take our mistakes and send them to that because as we said, temporal, eternal. In the eternal timeline, that's taking place. The judgment's already taking place in the, in the eternal because it all exists because God exists everywhere. We're temporal. That's eternal. In the consciousness of God, it's already existing. So I have a choice. I can send my mistakes before that judgment seat today and have them already judged and covered or I can choose to take them with me on that day. And the Bible says on that day, all hearts and thoughts of men will be revealed on that day. So let me just throw this out to you. What if we had some kind of device? Mary Esteban, you're always a a good sport. What if I had some kind of advice today? I brought Esteban over here, and I had some wires right here, and I just went, hooked him up, and everything he was thinking would be played on that screen. (laughs) How's that feel for you? And how about we do that with everybody in this room? And we all sit here and we watch. As one by one you come up and I hook you up to this machine and we watch the the thoughts of the last week that go through your mind. Every word, every thought, everything. Who's volunteering for that? Anybody? But literally, the Bible says, as silly as this sounds, the Bible says on that day, when God hooks you up that machine, what will be displayed on that screen will be white. Pure white. There'll be nothing but pure white. Why? Because though you're sinned, he will wash it white as snow. If you allow your sin to go before you to judgment and you let those mistakes that you've made and you pass them to God and you ask for forgiveness and you lay them down at his feet, that literally on that day, those things won't even exist. So when someone says to you, repent, it doesn't mean with a hammer over their head saying you're just a dirty, rotten person and you need to change and by God, repent or you're going straight to hell. That's not what it means. It means to stand before God and all that stuff that you've done can already be before him and literally as if it's never happened. Christian Gump. So you have a choice today. All of us have a choice today. And that choice is simply this. We can still bow down while our knees bend because there will come a day when you have to stand before the judgment and there will be no place for a bended knee. There will be no place to go, God, I made mistakes and I just got caught up in life. God, you know I had a hard life. You know what I was going through stuff. You know, God, it was too hard for me to try. God, you know I tried, but I kept making mistakes. No, 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 no. 
on that day there is no nothing left. So, on a day of today, when I'm still living in that grace period, I'm going to bow down while my knees still bend. I'm living in that grace period. I've, I've paid the price. I've made stuff. I've made mistakes. And the bill is cost is high. But it hasn't come due yet because I have a loving Heavenly Father that's given me space. But I can't pay for that. I don't have it to pay. He paid it all. Jesus paid it all. I have a choice today. I can send my sins before me to judgment. And Lord, all that stuff be taken away. Or I can determine, oh, preacher, it's all crazy. Oh, preacher, you're just, you're, just, you're just trying to control my life. Oh, preacher, it's just not that big of a deal. Come on, preacher, that's your opinion. I don't believe it's this. I don't believe it's that. That's just your opinion. But on that day, you will no longer be able to bow. But on that day, you will only be able to stand. So I challenge you today in the Holy Ghost, bow while your knees still bend. Bow down while your knees still bend. Today's not about a sobering thing of your bad, no good. It's actually a positive point of rejoicing because it's the fact that I've got an opportunity. I've got an opportunity. What? Uh, come on, let's be honest. All right. Think of your top mistake you've made in your life. You can't think of one. Maybe they're hard to pick, so top three. Some, maybe five. Maybe you have a top ten list. I don't know. I don't really know which one to pick, so top ten. Think of those mistakes you've made that you just absolutely eat you inside. What if I told you today, I'll give you, I have the power, the ability to go back and change that mistake, and it will be as if it ever happened. I'm telling you what, I, I, it didn't matter what price I charged, you'd pay it. If you'd had to sell your house, sell one of your kids on eBay, you would do it for the opportunity for that. To take the opportunity to go back and change something that I made a mistake. I would love to do that. I can't. Because I'm temporal. But I got a God who's eternal. Who offers me the opportunity to go back and change. And he may not change it for the evidence of temporal but I'll change it in the thing that matters the most, and that's the eternal. Because you know what? The temporal's temporal. 22-year-old girl driving down the road, life ended. That's temporal. Even a 66-year-old man driving down the road, going home, that's temporal. 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 Don't rejoice in the temporal. Are there good days? Yes. Are there bad days? Yes. Don't get caught up in the temporal. Rejoice that you're written in the eternal. Can we just take a moment right now? Bow our heads right where you're sitting. I wonder if there's anybody right now in this moment 
for the next just few moments, and I know I've gone a little longer than I normally do, but just in the next few moments, I wonder if there's anybody in your heart and your spirit that you would not physically bow down, but that your spirit would bow down while your knees still bend. Is there anybody today that you will take this moment and you will take some things in your life and you'll send them before you to judgment? Can you take that opportunity right now? Can you send those things before you to judgment? Come on, you just need to let them go. Say, I don't know if God can forgive me. I don't know where there is a scripture in there that says he can't. Can you just say, God, forgive me, wash me, cleanse me. Send them before you, God. Let your blood cover them, wash them. God, today, give us the grace to find you. Give us the grace to bow down while our knees still bend. Give us the grace. Give us the grace today. We need you, Jesus. Don't let us get so caught up in the things of today, the good and the bad, the mistakes, the victories, the failures. But God, let us remember as you commanded us, as you spoke to us, as you challenged us to rejoice first and foremost because our name is written in that book. No matter what our life is, is about what our life says about us today and it really all is temporal the most important thing that matters is the fact our name's in that book in Jesus name would you just take just two moments just reach over next to somebody let's just pray one for another before we dismiss can we just do that presence of God is here can we just do that just pray for somebody nearby you just for a moment just pray for them Father we help you today Come on, if you need to release some things, just stand where you are. You don't have to come down front. Just stand where you are. Lift your hands and just give it to Jesus. Can you do that? Come on, if you need to release some things you've been carrying, some things that have been weighing in your heart, some things that have been pulling you down, why don't you stand right where you are, lift your hands and just release it to him. Come on, you don't have to make a, you don't have to walk down here. Just do it right where you're standing, right from your seat. Is there anybody that's willing to take that today? Will you bow down in your spirit while your knees still bend? Take that moment and stand where you are. Just release it. Come on, that's it. A few of you, come on, a few are doing it. Is there a few? Come on, is anybody else that's willing to do it today? Take this opportunity and give it to Jesus. Come on, take this opportunity that's standing before you and give it to Him. Don't let it, don't let it pass. Don't let this moment pass. Don't let it pass. Don't let it pass. Don't let it pass. Come on, that's it. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Come on, that's it. That's awesome. That's awesome. Thank you for responding. Thank you for those of you that are responding. Come on. You're putting a smile on Jesus' face today. Come on. He loves the, he loves the opportunity to forgive. He loves the opportunity to, to, to strengthen. He loves the opportunity to touch. Come on. Oh, yes. Yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. 
Thank you, Jesus. We lay it all down. We give it to you, Father. We turn it all over to you. Let your blood wash and cleanse us. We release this weight. We release the sin. We give it all to you today. We turn it over to you, God. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Oh, Jesus, oh, Jesus, oh, Jesus. Oh, yes. Now, can we all stand together and just lift our hands one more time? Can we just lift our hands together as a body one more time? And let's just love Him and worship Him and thank Him. Come on, you don't have to make a lot of noise, but can you do that right now? His love is so sweet. His grace is so wonderful. His mercy is so everlasting. Oh, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. That's beautiful. Come on, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. The Bible says He delights in His people. He delights in His people. Come on, He's delighted in what He sees today. He delights in in you when you respond to Him. He delights in you when He responds, when you respond to Him. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. That's awesome. That's awesome. Praise God. Would you clap your hands to the Lord and just give Him thanks? Praise God. Praise God. Two things really quickly. First and foremost, it is I want, it, we only have one service in this facility today. So if you could, we will need help breaking everything down. That means everything. Carpet, chairs, sound system, everything in the back. Also, one more thing. Thank you for the response. We got a few more seed cards remaining to get our 5,000 marks. So if you could take some, that would be awesome. Make sure you greet somebody, shake their hand. Hope you see it tonight, our gathering together in Arnold for Antioch United. God bless you. Amen.